Sean St. Jacques back here with you with a new episode of the podcast on Posting and Toasting's podcast network. Very excited, folks, this week on the show. Two big things to get to on the show today. Number one, the show has a new name. It's been kind of a hold, a placeholder name for the first 11 episodes of the podcast. It's been passable since we're still in the preseason, not even in the preseason, we're in the offseason still going into the 2019-2020 NBA season. But at long last, we have a name. It's been approved. I can share it with you right now. A shout out is necessary because the higher ups at Posting and Toasting's podcast network agreed to one of the names that you guys suggested at home. I threw in a few names. They threw in a few names. Uh Uh-uh. You guys. You guys were the ones that came through for us and have named the podcast. It's the least that we could do to show our appreciation for you guys, for how how awesome you guys, the hundreds and thousands of you that have been listening to the podcast I, th- I think as a whole, tens of thousands of you have been listening to the podcast over these last couple of months. We appreciate you guys week in and week out buying into the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. This is why this is poetic justice for you guys. You guys have named the show, and, and I'm extremely excited for that. So a big shout out to at Ite, though, on Twitter. He's probably, he or she, I think uh, there's a picture of Steve, or Jeff Van Gundy Uh, in a Georgetown sweater on this guy's Twitter account. Go give him a follow right now. His suggestion of the Shock Jacques Knicks podcast is the new name of this podcast. So welcome to episode 12 of the Shock Jacques podcast on the Knicks here on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. The Shock Jacques Knicks podcast is a go. And a huge shout out to I, though, for a fantastic suggestion. That's it, folks. It's done. It's written in the stars. It's in stone. It is over. The Shock Jacques Nicks podcast is the name of the podcast going forward. So go give I, though, a follow. A-I-G-H-T-T-H-O on Twitter. Shout out to him. Shout out to that photo of Van Gundy in a Georgetown sweater courtside. That is an amazing, amazing picture. And you guys came up with an amazing batch of names. But Aito gets the nod. Uh, again, for those in the dark, my name is Sean St. Jacques. Shock Jacques Nick's podcast is a heck of a name. So shout out to Aito for the name. And that's the name of the podcast going forward. So go give that guy a follow because he is awesome. All right, guys, big show today because... We're diving all the way down in the Eastern Conference. I'm giving you my top to bottom Eastern Conference predictions for the 2019-2020 season. We've kind of been building up to this over the last couple of weeks. We've been going through, we've we've gone through the team as a whole a lot on the podcast. We probably still will. There'll be time for more of that as the podcast gets closer to the season. We've been diving into individual players a lot over the last couple of weeks. We've also dived into the division as well uh, in a couple of the podcasts earlier on. There's an enemy of the state or whatever. What did I call that? I think I called that 
we looked at uh, Eye on the Enemy. We looked at the enemies in the division in the Atlantic earlier on in the show. Next week, the plan is to do the Western Conference. So I really want to give you guys a full look at how the NBA is looking going into next season. We'll start with the East. I mean, I, I, I have an idea of where I think the Knicks are going to be for next season. I didn't go game by game. I'm not going to give you record by record here, but I'm going to give you basically a rough idea of 1 through 15 in the East where these teams are going to finish. And I'm going to go team by team on the podcast. It's the whole thing. We're going all the way through my predictions for the 2019-2020 Eastern Conference in the National Basketball Association. And guys, we're starting at the bottom. We're working our way to the top in the Eastern Conference preview on this week's episode. No other place to start than Charlotte, North Carolina. The Hornets check in at number 15, bottom of the barrel, this year in the Eastern Conference. There's really two reasons for that. I I think number one has to be the loss of Kemba Walker. And and literally, I think if they kept him, I I I think this this team's a lot higher uh, in the power rankings or in in the standings preview for me. I I think it's a huge loss. It's the biggest loss anybody in the East arguably took this offseason based based on where they're going to be in the standings. We can we can make an argument for some of the other teams. But where I look at where I look at the rosters, I look at the schedule. Mitch Kupchak really dropped the ball on this. They could have re-signed Kemba Walker if they had put all their eggs in the basket. And there was no other basket for them to put eggs into. So it was a wonder why they even went this route to begin with. Instead of Kemba Walker. They bring in Terry Rozier, which I think is a huge mistake uh, for the Hornets. You need an alpha male. He's an alpha male, but he needs guys around him. This is not a Kemba Walker's a guy that's going to get you 25, 30 a night easily and can carry you to, to the playoffs. You almost got them to the playoffs last year. The Hornets were just a couple of games out of the eighth and final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference last year when the conference as a whole wasn't all that bad. So it, it's one of those things where. Kemba makes a big difference. Here's what Rozier has around, and it's really, oh, it's it leaves a lot to be desired. Cody Zeller, Nicholas Batum, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Bismack Biyombo, Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, a couple of rookies in P.J. Washington, Devontae Graham's a second-year guy out of Kansas, Dwayne Bacon's a third-year guy out of Florida State, uh, Thomas Welsh, and now I'm looking bottom of the barrel guy. I mean, Josh Perkins is a rookie. Caleb Martin is a rookie. This is a rough team. This is a team. Willie Hernan Gomez, former Nick, going to be a four-year guy next year, uh, obviously, as well. This is a rough team. It's, it's going to be a team that really struggles a lot next year. I think there's a case that could be made for some of these other teams to finish high. I, I'm sure there were a couple of people that were thinking of other teams but when you look at how it shapes up for the Hornets, they have to be bottom. They have to be. Uh, and, I, and I think that they really, because of the Kemba Walker mishap, how they completely mismanaged that situation and didn't really do anything to make it up for it, Terry Rozier is a huge step down as a guy that you're expecting to be a star on this team. I, need to, I would need to see a lot out of a guy like Malik Monk. I, I would need to see a lot out of a Miles Bridges, and I still don't think I'd change my mind. I have the Hornets dead last 
in the East. It just feels like it's a lot of pieces that don't really work together, and Terry Rozier can't be enough to make up for that difference. The Hornets, for me, are 15th, and, and I just don't know how many other teams make a big argument for that. I, I really don't. And I think even my next team on the list is a little bit higher. They're a little bit of a notch higher. I'm, listen, there, you can debate this. There, there's not a huge disparity between these teams at the bottom, but I, I just feel like the Hornets, with what they had to trade in, to, because they lose Kemba Walker, I, they have to be last for me. I, I think going into next season, they have to be the team in 15th. The team in 14th, I have the Chicago Bulls, and, and I think that this could be one where I maybe regret my decision later on in the season. There's potential in this team, but I don't think there's enough to, to really move the needle. I, I really don't. I, I, I Listen, Laurie Markkinen's a really good player. Obviously, he's already shown that he's injury prone. He's a seven footer, 240 pounds, but he's got a lot of talent. So there's no question about that. Zach Levine's a really good player, but is he a good enough scorer to, to be a leader on this team and, and, and to win ga- enough games to be high enough in the standings? My answer to that is no. Uh, Thaddeus Young is getting older. Not a, not really going to be a key part of this team anymore. Otto Porter's the other guy on this team. I, I Again, that, that doesn't do enough for me. Uh, believe it or not, Otto Porter's going into his seventh season. It feels like he's been in the league for a decade. He, he, he keeps getting lost in the shuffle. He's a very good player. I, I just don't think with him... Laurie Markkinen, who's injury prone, and then you look at Zach Levine, that to me still feels like a 20-win team. Uh, there's a couple of role players to watch out for. Chris Dunn's a really good up-and-coming player. Denzel Valentine, I, I, I'm not sure about yet, but he's a pretty pretty decent upcoming player. Wendell Carter Jr., the kid out of Duke, kind of needs to take a big step forward this year, in my opinion. Uh, listen, it's a tough place to do that. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Obviously, Luke Cornett's on this team now. Uh, former Nick from last year. We know not going not gonna to really do a whole lot for that team. Uh, and the only other player of note is Ryan Archidiacono uh, out of Villanova a couple of years ago. A guy that, you know, I think is he reminds me of a Ron Baker in the way that he plays. Not going to be a long-term NBA guy. So it's, it's one of those things where... This is not shaping up good, not shaping up well for the Bulls, and obviously with the way it's going with their coaching staff uh, as well, I, I just don't know really what's going to be the long-term play this season. I think the Bulls are safely in 14th; they're not going to be much higher than that, and I, and I think that's a relatively safe bet. I think they're 14th; their ceiling is extremely low. Again, there's young talent on this team, but you know. If Laurie Markkinen's injured at all this season, and even if he isn't, I can't imagine them going much higher than where I have them at 14. So I think I'm safe with that bet at the moment. And I, I that brings me to my next move here, which was tough, but I, I, I actually have the Wizards in 13th. I, I, that might be a little bit of a shock to some people. I, it was, I was debating. There's three teams. The next three teams are interchangeable. For me, they really are. The next three teams are are interchangeable. And the big reason I have the Wizards here is I don't think we're going to see the same John Wall anymore that we've seen. This this injury that he's been dealing with the last, I think we're going on two seasons now going into this year, two seasons that he'll be dealing with this injury. I, I can't imagine that John Wall comes back from this and is the same guy. I, I just don't see it. He'll be going into his, I think, 10th NBA season 
Bradley Beal, I believe, is going into his eighth NBA season. He's not good enough to do it by himself. And guys, the big reason I'm going this way is the rest of the roster is pretty much barren. Thomas Bryant is a third-year guy out of Indiana. Ish Smith's going into his 10th season. Isaiah Thomas has been injury-riddled the last few seasons and hasn't done a whole lot. And then it's a lot of young guys. Well, I'll throw in C.J. Miles and Jan Mahimi as well. But these are guys that are going up, that are up there in age and are just not guys that are big contributors anymore. So here are the young guys. Jordan McRae, a kid out of Tennessee. Rookie Ruri Hachimura. Uh, rookie Admiral Schofield out of Tennessee. And Phil Booth, a rookie out of Villanova. And I'll throw in Justin Robinson a rookie out of Virginia Tech. It's a young team overall. And the depth on this squad is non-existent. And if John Wall is not the same guy, how can you have them high up? It's one of those things where John Wall being hurt is the big reason here. And listen, these young guys get me a little bit more excited as far as the amount of them than the Bulls, which is why I, you know, I hesitated putting the Bulls behind the Wizards but it's only because I think Brad, I trust Bradley Beal a little bit more than I trust the core or lack thereof of the Bulls. So I, I mean, that's not not saying a whole lot. It's slightly interchangeable there. But I've got the I've got the Wizards just ahead of the Bulls because I I just look at who's available compared to the two teams, and I look at the depth in the young guys. The Wizards have slight edge there, but I, I we're splitting hairs. These two teams are very bad teams. John Wall dealing with the injury he's dealing with. I think putting the Wizards there is fair at 13, and I don't see it going much higher than that, even if we see some semblance of John Wall at some point this season. And if they tank, we're not even, we're probably not going to see him anyway. So it's one of those things where the Wizards, I think, are safely in that spot. This this one got a little tougher. I, I, I thought about putting this team as low as bottom, uh, but I put them here for a couple of reasons. And at 12 on the list, 12th in the Eastern Conference, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the big reason that I do is because when healthy, this is still a decent squad. It, it is, but I don't think they're going to be healthy. In, 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 in an 82-game season, it's tough to see Kevin Love being healthy that entire time. He's been injury riddled geez I mean for how long three seasons I maybe I'm wrong it's been that long it feels like and listen on paper the roster's not too bad you look at Brandon Knight you look at Tristan Thompson I'm not a huge fan of Jordan Clarkson but when he's going well he can score the ball Matthew Dellavedova comes back there's a little bit of a feel good feel a feel good aspect to that Larry Nance Jr. and and Kevin Love make that interesting for me. And then I have to say, I think the Cavs completely bleeped the bed in the draft. I think taking Darius Garland was an awful pick. I, I think they couldn't have gone worse there. Listen, Colin Sexton, who who's shares a birthday with yours truly, January 4th, for those that could have given us some gifts. Anyway, <laughs> Colin Sexton's a guy that's a really good player. I think I think he could be a good player in this league, but he's in a bad spot. He's in a really bad spot. He showed some signs at the end of last year. Uh, I just don't think that's going to be enough to help this team out long term. I think he'll have to be successful somewhere else in the long term for this season. Uh, he'll be good. I just don't think he'll be good enough to get this team anywhere near the playoffs. 
John Henson's on this roster. Eighth-year guy out of North Carolina is a really lanky big, 6'11", 219 pounds. And the other draft pick that of note is Dylan Windler, the sharpshooter and, and really good scorer out of Belmont. So it's tough to see this team going much higher. However, if Kevin Love's healthy, you know, Kevin Love's a really good player. He's a star in the league when he's going right. I just don't think he'll be healthy. I think there's a much better chance that he gets hurt and they tank again looking for the next great draft pick. And I think that'll hurt them because of the way the luck they got in last year's draft. It could happen again to them next year, but there's no core here. You know, there's no there's no core here, which makes me think there's no way they get anywhere near the playoffs. But I, I also don't think that their bottom of the East, they were second to last last year. I, I think with the young guys they have, and again, I the reason I have them this high is I'm basically preparing myself for Kevin Love being good for a while this year if he's healthy with Tristan Thompson. That's a pretty, you know, a championship winning backcourt or front or uh, yeah front court. So. But, but keep in mind, they had LeBron James when they won that championship. So it, it's tough to... I, I'm mincing... I should say I'm splitting hairs here. But I think the Cavs, based on potential, are, are a safe bet for 12th. But they could be bottom. They could tank. Because the rest of these guys aren't very good. They haven't, they haven't been proven yet. So I think I've got the Cavs at 12th. I feel good about that spot. The guard play's not bad. Brandon Knight and Jordan Clarkson give you something, and I think Colin Sexton added in there. That that helps me feel a little bit safer putting them at 12. But but again, other than that, you know, it's an injury-prone roster with not a lot of alpha males besides Kevin Love. So it, it's tough for me to put them much higher. I could put them lower, but the other problems that the three teams below them, I feel like, are much more difficult. So I, I have the Cavs at 12th for their potential but the, i could easily see them again they're interchangeable they're interchangeable so again these are you know i feel like there are arguments to be had here you don't have to totally rip me apart i these are not set in stone at the bottom here because everyone's dealing with their own problems but i feel like based on potential i'll put the calves just ahead of the wizards especially because of the john wall injury this one was tough and some of you may Maybe knowing may know where I'm going here now. At 11, I've got the Knicks, and I I think that it you could well. We know that there there could be two sets of Knicks fans at times. One that feel like they could make the playoffs this year, and others that feel like they'll tank again and could be right back where they were last year. I feel like they're somewhere in the middle. I I, I really do. Again, we've touched a lot on the Knicks roster. Uh, during this uh, offseason stretch so far, the free agent signings that they made during the offseason and Julius Randle uh, made me really, you know, intrigued to put them maybe a little higher. But I, the, the the young guys for me make the Knicks 11th. For me, I think you look at where Julius Randle could, could do some damage. R.J. Barrett, Iggy Brasdakis being brought in out of the draft, Mitchell Robinson and Kevin Knox, along with Alonzo Trier, uh, developing the battle between Alfred Payton and Dennis Smith Jr. at the point guard position. And then what are the rest of these guys going to give you? You know, what are the veterans on this roster going to give you? What's Bobby Portis going to bring? What is Marcus Morris going to bring? Uh, you know, Reggie Bullock's going to be coming off an injury. Wayne Ellington, we don't know what he's going to bring you as well. Taj Gibson, hopefully he's not playing too much. That that would, for me, have, be a bad sign. 
for this season. And then the big question mark is Frank Nilakina. You know, what is he going to give you as well? Obviously, everyone's going back and forth on whether the Knicks should pick up the option. You know my thoughts on it. I think you decline the option if you're the Knicks. You see how he does this season. And if you think he's good enough, you re-sign him. And if you don't, you let him go. That, that for me, is, is how you know it goes. I think that's the best-case scenario. And, and instead of locking yourself in, and if Frank Nilakina doesn't come along, you're stuck with him. So business is business in the NBA, and I, and I feel like that would be the better way to go. That's my opinion. You, probably, you might have a different opinion. That's, that's what makes the world go round. But I feel like the Knicks are 11th. I like the young core. I like the, the fact that they bought in to Fisdale's system. You've been hearing me preach this the entire offseason. I, I think I'm comfortable with the Knicks at 11th. I think Knicks fans would take it. Uh, I think that would roughly, you know, let me look at, I'll look at the the standings from last year. 11th place last year, the Wizards, 32 wins. I think Knicks fans would take that. You know what I mean? And I think that would be a relatively successful season. 32-33 wins for the Knicks. I think any higher than that would be overachieving for this Knicks team. You know what I mean? If we're talking 35-36 wins, and now we're talking fringe playoffs at that point. That would be an overachievement, I think, for this team. I think 32-33 wins puts them around 10th or 11th. I have them at 11th. I think that's more than fair for the Knicks as a projection for next season. Let me know what you guys think in the comments uh, going into postingandtoasting.com on Twitter or at SJ7 right here on Posting and Toasting Podcast. Uh, postingandtoasting.com, I should say. All right, guys, perfect opportunity for me to take a break. I'm going to do that. The top 10 in the Eastern Conference, my projections, is up next on the Shock Jacques Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. All right, guys, it's time to get into the nitty gritty. We're going through the Eastern Conference preview for 2019-2020. We're at the top, we're getting towards the top half of this uh, of this rankings. We're in the top 10 now. These are the playoff contenders, in my opinion, the neck for the next season in the NBA. I'm going to start maybe with a little bit of a surprise uh, for some people. I have this team maybe a little high, maybe just right. You know, you never know. But my next team at 10, again, I, I had the Knicks. Well, you know what? Let's recap so far. Number 15, I have the Charlotte Hornets. This is, again, I'm ranking the Eastern Conference projections for next season from 15 all the way up to 1. I have the Hornets 15, I have the Bulls 14, I have the Wizards at 13, I have the Cavs at 12, and I have the Knicks at 11. At number 10, I've got the Atlanta Hawks, and this was one of the, this is where, this is where for me, I think, the this is the highest I think the Knicks could get. I think the, the highest the Knicks get this season is probably 10th, and that might even be pushing it a little bit. Uh, but I think the, the way the Hawks have their roster right now and the the way they drafted for me kind of is the big reason why I have them at 10. Listen, I look at the core. Trey Young I think could have a huge second season. I think Kevin Herter was a pleasant surprise as well. A few other guys to look at on the roster, Alan Crabb, Chandler Parsons who's injury prone, Evan Turner as well. Jabari Parker who's injury prone as well. Keep that in mind also. But the and Alex Len is a player to watch out for as well. Again, injury prone. However, DeAndre Bembry's on this roster, third-year guy out of St. Joe's. 
Damian Jones is a, is, is a fourth-year guy at Vanderbilt. You know, not too crazy yet about him. Not really at all. The rookies, for me, are, are getting me excited. Two in particular. I love the DeAndre Hunter pick for the Hawks. And I love the Cam Reddish pick for the Hawks out of Virginia and Duke, respectively. This is what got me excited. Putting Trey Young with Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Evan Turner, and then you, then you throw in a healthy Chandler Parsons and a healthy Jabari Parker. Now we're talking about a potential team that could do some damage. I, I, I really feel that way about this team. Listen, the Chandler Parsons contract is obviously ridiculous. He's getting $25 million, I believe, next season. That's a, a, absolutely ridiculous. But Evan Turner, Alan Crabb, along with the rookies Reddish and Hunter around Herter and Trey Young, that's a really good team that can shoot the three, that can get penetrate inside. It's a pretty athletic roster. A little, there, there's some definitely some veterans mixed in there. It's solid. It, it's a solid roster that I think if the cards go, you know, things play out well, and they get the right, you know, I guess mix of of veterans and youngsters, with the with health being a big factor as well with this team. This is a team that can make the playoffs. It it really is. I think 10th is more realistic. I don't think they make the playoffs. But but listen, Trey Young, you know, the Hawks won 29 games last year. They could win 35, 36 games. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility with what Trey Young brought to the table and with what these young guys, I think they drafted as well as anybody with DeAndre Hunter, who's a strong defensive player. A guy that can shoot the rock in big spots. Showed that in the national championship game last year with the Cavaliers of Virginia, the national champions. And Cam Reddish is a flat-out scorer. He's a flat-out shooter and could really develop into one of the best players out of this draft. So I, I feel like the, the, the Hawks possibly may have hit a home run here. I really do think that. And I, I, think, the, I think the Hawks could be 10th. I, I really do. They could be higher. As well, I really like what they did in the offseason, and I like what they did with their draft. I, I really did. I got them at 10th right now. I, number nine is a playoff team from last year. And I think the Hawks are probably just behind this team at the moment. Um, and I, I think the Hawks are probably a star away from being a playoff contender consistently. They're still building, but again, with the youngsters, I think they're right there. So at nine, I've got the Magic. I think the Orlando Magic, I guess, would be taking a couple of steps back, finished seventh in the East last year. And I think that they're going to drop a couple of steps back this year. I really do. And the number one reason is a couple of the youngsters dealing with some health issues. Listen, Mo Bamba was their pick out of Texas. I didn't think he was great last year. Obviously, he was injury prone, which was expected. They're taking a chance on Markel Fultz. I think that's an awful decision. I think they couldn't have been uh, long-term. I think that's an awful idea. DJ Augustine, Evan Fournier, solid. You, you, you mix in Aaron Gordon, Al Farouk Aminu, Nikola Vucevic, Terrence Ross. Michael Carter-Williams is on this roster as well. Jonathan Isaac, I think, is a guy that's got to take a step forward this year to prove me wrong. I think that's a big deal. You know, I, I think Nikola Vucevic is a really good player. I think Al Farouk Aminu is a really good player. 
Aaron Gordon, for me, is up and down. I don't know where I'm at with him uh, long-term as a player. He's entering his sixth season out of Arizona. He's a good player. I, I just don't... He doesn't show up in big games enough for me, and I think down the stretch, that's important. DJ Augustine really had a, a great season last year for this Orlando team. I, I think I, 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 I'm shooting my shot a little bit here with this team and saying they're going to underachieve. I just don't feel like defensively they're good enough. I, I think they're getting older on this team. DJ, DJ Augustine is going to enter his 12th season in the NBA this year not getting any younger I think they took too big of a risk with with not only Markel Fultz but with Muhammad Bamba as well and the help that needs to be on the way with this team isn't there and I just don't feel like they have enough horses to get into the playoffs again I don't think they can do it twice they found a way last year in the east getting ahead of the likes of Charlotte and Detroit to get in as that seven seed there's a team up. There's a team that that knocks. There's two teams for me that I have them knocking, knocking them down, and I feel like that. That yeah, I think Orlando doesn't make it, and I think you might may understand where I'm going as I dive into the playoff teams I have in the East for next season. So yeah, I I, I think that's fair in my opinion. <laughs> you might you may disagree. I think that's fair to put the Magic out of the playoffs. And listen, they're, they're, they're a good team, but they're a beatable team. They really are. If you have a good front court and strong perimeter defense and can shoot the three, you can beat this team. It's, you know, it's, it's a solid squad, but nothing special. You know, not, not necessarily a playoff team. And I've got them ninth. I think they just miss out on the playoffs this year. Eighth, I've got the team that finished eighth last year. I've got the Detroit Pistons. I, I've got them there again. I think the big thing for me is not only on paper, but but I think that there's a couple of youngsters on this squad that can really push this team to another level. Uh, listen, obviously Blake Griffin is a big player on this team. Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson are, are players to watch on this squad. You look at some of the depth guys. You look at Tony Snell, Langston Galloway, former Nick. Luke Kennard's a guy that's had his ups and downs but can score the ball. And then, honestly, you know, I, I like the young guys that could be mixed in here. A couple of two-way guys, Lewis King and Jordan Bone, if they work out, could be really solid players as from a depth perspective. Kyrie Thomas, I thought, was a steal of a pick for this team. Can defend really, really well. Uh, Svatoslav Mikhailuk out of Kansas is, is a solid scorer. Could be a nice depth player. If they end up using him, they might not need to use him. I like Markeith Morris on this team as well. I, I, that's a solid guy to have. Now, the X factor for me, obviously, is Derrick Rose. How is Derrick Rose going to fare on this roster? I have no idea. I don't have an answer for you. But for me, without him, I think there's still a playoff team. Last time I rem- last time I forget, if I forget, they w- they made the playoffs last year without him and with a lesser roster. So I, I think with what they've built up with some of the young guys that they've brought in that could possibly work out and add some depth to this roster, Derrick Rose, I feel like, can only help. I, I really do. I feel like he can only help this team. I don't think he hurts them at all. So I have them in eighth. I think that's, I think that's fair to say that they're right back there again. And I, I really like what, what the Detroit Pistons have done with the draft. And I think that that kind of helps them stay in the playoff picture. And, and I think with the stars that they have, I think they get back there. I, I really do. 
And I, I have them at eighth right now. So I, I have the Pistons just getting into the playoffs. And the only new team that I have getting into the playoffs this year is my team at number seven. And it's the Miami Heat. I, I think the Miami Heat, with the acquisition of Jimmy Butler, put themselves over the top. You know, I, I think that that makes them a playoff team. You look at the rest of the roster. I like Justice Winslow. I think Goran Dragic has another really good year in him. Bam Adebayo really showed some signs last year. Dion Waiters, if he's healthy, is a phenomenal player. Kelly Olynyk can provide you some size down low, as can Myers Leonard. So I, 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 I and I, by the way, Tyler Hero, I think, could be a really good player. The, the kid out of Kentucky is a really good scorer. He's tough. He's hard-nosed. He's pretty athletic, too. He can throw down. So I, I, I like Tyler Hero as a draft pick. Chris Silva is an interesting flyer as well out of South Carolina. If he works out as a, as a rookie this year, you might see him get some playing time. Now, it's, he's a bit of a long-shot guy. You know, you'd really have to, to, to show out to get any bench minutes. But with, with the guys they have up front, Leonard, Olenek, and Obayo, Adebayo, that's a solid front line. And I think along with Winslow, I think along with Tyler Hero, I think along with Goran Dragic, and along with a superstar in Jimmy Butler, that says playoffs to me. I, I think they are a playoff team in this Eastern Conference. Stars get to the playoffs more times than not. Jimmy Butler's a superstar. He wanted to lead this team. He wanted his own chance. He didn't want to stay in Philly. I think Jimmy Butler gets it done and gets the play, gets into the playoffs. With the Miami Heat, it's pretty simple. Star Superstars get it done. I, I think the Heat finish in seventh, and, and I think they make the playoffs. And I think they finish with a chance to maybe make some noise, too. I'm, I'm just saying they could be a team that, that ends up maybe surprising some people in the playoffs. They'll have to finish a little bit higher to do that, I think. But I think seventh is not too far off for the Miami Heat. Now it gets a little difficult. Six teams left. The top six in the East. It gets a little difficult for me, guys. It really does. I, I didn't know where to put some of these teams. I still don't know with a couple of these teams where they're going to finish. I'm a little hesitant on especially these next two. I, I, I really... I'm struggling a little bit. I really am. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be regretting my decisions here with these next two teams. But I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick to my guns, and it's six. I've got the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> I really, that might shock a lot of people. Uh, maybe you're going to say Nick Nick Bias, Nets hater. I don't think it's too far off because Kevin Durant's not playing, folks. They keep throwing him in all the promos. They keep throwing him in all the ads. He's not playing. Not playing a single game this year for the Brooklyn Nets. So look at what they have after that. Okay, that's what I'm worried about. Karis Levert's a good player. Jared Allen is a young up-and-coming player. So is Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, Wilson Chandler. That's it. As far as the, the next guys up on this team, Kyrie Irving does not have a lot to work with on this roster, especially in the front court especially in the front court. Jared Allen's there. But but for me, I, listen, DeAndre Jordan is is okay. 
They're a playoff team. You know, I'm not denying them that. Wilson Chandler could help. But listen, depth on this team is not very good. And they, in my opinion, Nicholas Claxton out of the draft, not the best of picks for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, listen, they obviously looked for depth. They, the Claxton was the guy they went with in the back, in the front court, rather, 6'11", 220, but doesn't have much skill with the ball, especially in the post. Now, they say he can shoot it. He, Georgia did not do well last year. N- Nicholas Claxton was not a, a major factor in the SEC last year. Georgia stunk the joint last year, and he was a reason why. Because defensively, Sometimes left a lot to be desired. And in the NBA, that's a huge jump. That's a huge jump for, for a kid like this. Yeah, this kid's, I think, 20 years old. Yeah, I'm not I'm not thrilled with that pick for the Nets. Now, again, that's not a make or break part of the season. And listen, Levert, Dinwiddie, and Harris, along with Irving, is solid. And they're a playoff team. But for me, you're just kind of swapping out a couple of guys along with D'Angelo Russell. You're bringing in Kyrie Irving. For me, Kyrie Irving, this is just the Celtics of last year with a lesser roster around Kyrie Irving. So I'm going to put them right where the Nets were last year. I put them at sixth until they prove me wrong. And I think that's fair. I don't think there's much of an argument you can make to put them much higher on the list. For me, the only team I could see that may be getting higher than is the team I have next on this list. But for right now, I think that's more than fair to put the Nets at six. Are they going to have the same chemistry that they had last year with Kyrie Irving? Is Kyrie Irving going to be healthy? Is that good or bad for the Nets? And the front court, is it good enough to be any higher than sixth or maybe fifth? I don't think it is. So that's where I have the Nets. I have them at six right now. And I don't think they can get much higher than that. And honestly, I think that's relatively fair for what they've done. And when Kevin Durant comes back, we'll have another conversation. But until that happens, for me, in the East, for playoff teams, one through eight, they're average. They're an average team. Six is fair, I think, for me. Number five, and again, I've alluded to it already. This is the biggest hesitation I have. Maybe the entire rankings. I've got the Indiana Pacers at five. And I'm worried about the Oladipo injury. I really am. But I think if he's healthy, I think you look at Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis. You look at adding in some role players, a TJ Leaf, an Aaron Holiday, a Doug McDermott. Those guys can fit in well. Malcolm Brogdon added to the roster. That, for me, kind of pushed it over the top. And then there are some other role players on this team that can be helpful. And and Jeremy Lamb is one of them. I, I really like this this roster. And I, I listen, Edmund Sumner's an up and coming guy. If he works out, he could be a depth guy for you off the bench, six foot six, who can score the rock. If he stays healthy, he could be an option. I, I, I like the core of this team. TJ Warren's another guy, by the way, that could be a factor on this team. CJ Wilcox, another guy. And I really like the hard-nosed style of play that they, they go with. They're extremely consistent. And for me, they're they're the fifth team right now in the East. I think they're just a step above what the Nets had. Again, if Victor Oladipo was healthy, he fits in better with the Pacers 
than Irving was will right now with the Nets. That's the bottom line. Until I see differently, that's what I'm going with. And listen, I know Oladipo's dealing with the injury, but if he's healthy, they're better than the Nets. And it's a long season, folks. So I'm taking Oladipo and the Pacers over Kyrie Irving and the Nets right now. It's a bit of a bold statement, maybe, for some that are buying into the Nets hype. But the Nets are not a top four team in the East. They're not. Sorry. I've got them at six. I got the Pacers at five right now. Listen, things could change. We're still a couple weeks off from the start of the season. We're still a couple weeks, you know, we're getting there. We're getting close. It's starting to get colder around here in the tri-state area. But for right now, I've got the Pacers five and the Nets six. If you have a problem with it, I mean, show up in the comments. You know what? Let me know. You can't just be silent and then come back later and be like, hey, what the heck were you thinking? You, you can't have selective stuff like that, folks. I'm here. If you have a problem, if we have a disagreement, this is why we do the show. So let me know. All right, let's move into the top four. Top four is a little bit more straightforward. But because of some of the mixing and matching, players leaving, players coming in, this is how I have it set up. I think the Raptors are at four. Without Kawhi Leonard, I still really like this team. But I, I they finished second with Kawhi Leonard last year in the East. I, I can't imagine they get back to that again. I, I don't. And I, I think... With the Raptors, the way that they're constructed at the moment, and listen, I like Marcus Gasol. I love Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka. You know, OG Ananobi back in the mix could be really big. Fred Van Fleet's a clutch player. Norman Powell. You know, you look at some up-and-comers, a Stanley Johnson, a Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, maybe not up-and-comers, but possible, you know, younger role players, Patrick McCall as well. I like I, I like the kid out of Oregon, Chris Boucher, as well as a possible guy. Cameron Payne's interesting. O'Shea Brissett and Sagaba Kanate are the two rookies on this roster. Both bring different things to the table. Brissett's more of a score. Sagaba Kanate is a shot-blocking machine. And even though he's 6'8", could be a really strong NBA defender, in my opinion. I think without Leonard, I think fourth is fair for the Raptors. They could catch the team I have next. They could, in my opinion. But I think Leonard's a huge loss. and I don't think Kyle Lowry is enough for them to to get back to where they were last year. So I think fourth for the Raptors is fair. I think that's where I have them at the moment. And... I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's much wiggle room there. I I, I don't know if they get to third or, or second. So I, I think I'm I think I feel relatively confident in that pick. And listen, the Raptors can defend extremely well. You know, especially in big time scenarios, obviously, like we saw last year. But guys, Kawhi Leonard was a big part of that. And I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. So I got the Raptors at four. I got the Celtics at three. And you lose Kyrie, but I think you get a guy in Kemba Walker that's going to buy in to what this team is doing. Terry Rozier wanted out. You let him go. 
you know, you've still got, along with adding Kemba, you still you still have uh, a guy that really, well, to be fair, that needs to step up this year, to be fair, and Gordon Hayward. He's got to have a huge season for the Celtics. There's no question about that. But then it gets interesting for me. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Nice group right there. Obviously, you have Ennis Cantor. Depth player, guy that can defend. We know that with the Knicks. And then some interesting young pieces. First off, I want to give a little bit of a shout-out. I like Semi Ojale. I really do. He's an athletic player. Brad Stevens could really coach that kid up. He's already started to. I, I, he's going into his third year at SMU. Semi Ojale could be a really good pro. And I think the Celtics may have gotten a steal right there. I think he's a really good player. The draft picks for me, I, I think, are all very interesting. I think Taco Fall, down the road, could be a very interesting player for the Celtics. I really do. Tremont Waters is on a two-way contract. I think that's smart. You got to see what he can do first. He's a young player. He's still developing. But the upside on that kid's pretty legit. You look at a guy like Carson Edwards, a legit scorer. Kid that can shoot the lights out of the basketball. He could be a factor on this team. If If he shows what he can do, He's a factor. I like the depth draft pick selection of Grant Williams. Grant Williams is Mr. Fundamental for the college, from the college game. Did everything right defensively. Not a great shooter. Still has to work on that. Not a great free throw shooter. Has to work on that. Was a magician in the post in college. A magician. And the Celtics can coach him up. That's why I, I, with Brad Stevens there, these draft picks make me get very excited if I'm a Celtics fan. Romeo Langford's the last big one for me. Romeo Langford could be the steal of the draft if he's good enough or the one of the bigger busts if he's not. But the Celtics got him in a really good spot. Not a not high risk at all. Could be all reward if he works out. These are smart draft picks by the Celtics. One more wild card is Max Struess, another two-way player out of DePaul, a guy that I covered in the Big East. Guy's a really good scorer. He's going to play for you, give you 110% every night. Not a great defender. He's going to work on that. And 6'6", six, six, so he's 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 got some size on him. He's athletic. That's the thing that jumps off the page about Max Struess. Can jump out of the gym and has great lift on his jump shot, great arc on his jump shot as well. He's just he's just inconsistent. That that That's the problem with him. Can he do it enough consistently for you? That's why he gave him a two-way contract. And I think that that's a phenomenal decision by the Celtics. And I think, it, you know, why not take a chance on a kid like that that could show you some really some really strong stuff on the court? Celtics have some great upside, but I don't think they're good enough to win the title this year at all. Uh, I, I don't think that, especially in the loaded West, but specifically in the East, third's a nice place for them. They could overachieve. But, but I think that third is fair for where they're at right now. I thought about putting them second, but for now I'm going to put them third. And the big reason why is because the second team is the Philadelphia 76ers. And for me, the biggest difference is Al Horford leaving Boston and going to the Sixers. I think that makes the Sixers a lot more dangerous. Now, listen, offensively, they take a huge hit. Jimmy Butler no longer with the team. Tobias Harris is going to really have to step up for this squad next year. 
Uh, there's some nice role players, Mike Scott, Kyle O'Quinn, Trey Burke, most importantly. I think Trey Burke could be a really nice piece potentially on this team. I like Zaire Smith's potential, but I got to see it. And there's a lot of two-way guys that are interesting. I like Mariel Shayok, and I like Shake Milton. But these are guys that are probably not going to be big parts of this team. Joel Embiid, can he stay healthy? Ben Simmons, can he do anything on the perimeter besides pass the ball off to somebody else? I like Josh Richardson. I don't love Josh Richardson, but I think he's a nice piece. Does this team have enough scoring to win a title? The answer for me is no, but I think they've got enough defense and they've got enough stars to finish second in the East. I really do. And I, I like the team as a whole. They got, I think that you could argue they've gotten better, but they had to lose a lot of scoring to get better. And maybe that'll pay off. You never know. I mean, listen, in the, in the playoffs, and I think that's what this team is built for is the postseason, things could change in the, in the Sixers' favor. But in the regular season, I don't think they're the top team, and I, and I think they could fall to the third if the Celtics work out. I really feel that way. I, I like where they're at. But I think the Sixers just edged them out in the regular season. Going into the playoffs, I think both of those teams could really make some 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 noise. I, I really do. Sad to say as a Knicks fan, but I really do think that those are two teams to watch in the postseason. But for right now, I, I have the Celtics third, and I have the Sixers just ahead of them in second. And then for me, the runaways, and I don't think this is a much, this shouldn't be a shock to anybody, really, if you're an NBA fan. For me, the runaway team in the East is the Milwaukee Bucks, and I don't think it's going to be all that close. I really don't think so. Last year in the East, you know, you look at the the standings uh, a season ago, and obviously the Bucks finished top of the East only by two games, though. But remember, that was against the Raptors team with Kawhi Leonard, and if you remember correctly, the Sixers were nine back of the Bucks last year I could see a very similar scenario playing out I could see there being a big gap between the Bucks and the Sixers for me last year it was a little bit of you know can the Bucks maybe the Bucks can make the finals you never know maybe they're one of the favorites to, to get there and and have a shot at the trophy but the you know as I predicted I had the Raptors getting to the finals last year and losing to the Warriors they went on and because of the Duran injury they ended up winning the championship kudos on them Leonard moves on. He'll be a legend in Canada forever, at least in Toronto. For me, this season for the Bucs, it's championship or bust. I know what the situation is in the West, and we'll get to the West on the next show. But I think in the East, it is theirs to lose by a wide margin. I think they win the East by eight or nine games again. I really do, over the Sixers at least. I think it's a runaway. With Giannis, with Eric Bledsoe, Dante DiVincenzo healthy is a huge boost for them. Ursan Ilyasova. I like what Pat Connaughton brings to the table. George Hill is a perfect fit. Brooke Lopez has been reborn with the Bucs. Chris Middleton's a stud. They added Robin Lopez. It's a family affair. Uh, They have they have on Tentacumbo, Giannis's brother on the roster. Wesley Matthews is added as well. They added a, a solid rookie in Luke May. For the, for the long term, that could be an interesting fit on this team. Sterling Brown's a second-year guy as well on this roster. So is DJ Wilson. But just look at these core guys. Antetokounmpo, Bledsoe, Connaughton, Hill, 
Lopez, Middleton, Matthews. You add in a DiVincenzo and a Connaughton. Oh, man. I mean, it's a runaway for me. It's a runaway. And I, I think that with Middleton and Giannis leading the way, this is a really strong starting five. It's a really strong bench. You could play nine deep in this bench and have some depth to spare. And I, Bledsoe in there as well. I really like Lopez. I like Connaughton and DiVincenzo, Ilyasova, George Hill. I, it's, a, it's, it's simple for me. The Bucks will easily win the East. They're going to beat up on a lot of the bad teams. And I think that they're going to show throughout this season that they want the championship. That's what they're going for. This, for me, is their first legitimate chance to win an NBA championship. Some said it was last year. In my opinion, I always thought it was going to be the Raptors. Kawhi over Giannis any day of the week for me. And if you want to argue in the comments, have fun with that. It's Kawhi over Giannis any day of the week. And it showed up in the playoffs as I predicted last year. People were calling me nuts. The guy didn't have the podcast here with you guys last year, but on another podcast last year, I was saying throughout the regular season that if the Raptors were healthy, they were the team to beat. Everyone said it was the Bucs. And I said, listen, if they play in the playoffs, the Bucs and the Raptors, there's no way the Bucs are going to win. And that's exactly how it played out. Kawhi over Giannis any day of the week. And it played out that way last season. Now Kawhi is gone. It's Giannis's conference. He owns it now like LeBron used to own it. And they should have a runaway the next two or three years unless the East gets reshaped. But for right now, they are the favorites to win the East by far. And they're one of the favorites to win a championship. In my opinion, this is the first year where you can, I can honestly say without hesitation, they are one of two or three teams that can legitimately win the NBA championship. The others are in the West. So it's going to be a heck of a finals if the Bucs get there. But for me, the Bucs are the runaway in the East. I don't think anybody catches them. And not only the favorites to win the regular season, get the top seed, they're the favorites to win the Eastern Conference Championship. They are. And I don't think that's too far at all. Because who else? Who's beating them? Who's beating them? Honestly. You really think the Sixers are good enough? I don't think so. I really don't. They don't score. They're not going to score enough for me. They have an interesting balance in their roster now. Al Horford makes them interesting. But they're not getting to the, they're not getting to the finals. They're not. And it's because Joel Embiid is injury prone. Yes, he lost 25 pounds during the offseason. He's still seven feet tall. <laughs> like, that's still a problem. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where I just don't trust the Sixers. That's my, that's my stance, and I'm sticking to it. So again, just to recap, Eastern Conference 2019-2020, we'll check it at the end of the season. And, I'm, and I feel good. I feel good about my picks. Maybe I won't at the end of the season. 15, I've got the Hornets. 14th, I've got the Bulls. 13th, I've got the Wizards. 12th, I've got the Cavs. 11th, I've got the Knicks. 10th, I've got the Hawks. 9th, I've got the Magic now in the eight playoff spots. 8th, I've got the Pistons. 7th, I've got the Heat. 6th, I've got the Nets. 5th, I've got the Pacers. 4th, the Raptors. Third, the Celtics. Second, the Sixers. And first, by a country mile, I've got the Milwaukee Bucks. You know where to find me. 
if you got a problem with it. At SHA7 on Twitter, at PNT Podcast, or I'd rather at the PNT Knicks blog on Twitter. If you want to hit me up or you want to hit up the podcast in general, posting and toasting podcast.com in the comments. Let me know what you think. Send me any questions you guys have you want me to answer on next week's show. Guys, please leave a great rating and review on iTunes. We'd all appreciate it on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. You guys have been great so far with this show. Phenomenal. You've now named the show. So you guys are awesome. I can't thank you guys enough. We're getting closer and closer to the season. My Western Conference predictions are coming up next week, and I will see you then on the Shock Jock Knicks podcast.